is up? It's the rant. My name is Jeff Rackle. It is Wednesday, August 11th, and you know, you know, it's fantasy football season when Hard Knocks premieres. I, I know not everybody loves Hard Knocks, but I can't get enough of it. I love the behind-the-scenes look. That unique angle, you just don't get it anywhere else. So love some Hard Knocks. We're going to do some Hard Knocks intel on the show today. Every week that the episode airs, I watch it, but I watch it like a fantasy analyst would watch it, not like a normal person, because we are not normal, that's for sure. Uh, Also on today's podcast, as you can see from the title of this podcast, I'm going to tell you the running backs that I think you should be drafting in the middle rounds of your drafts. That's a crucial area for running backs, especially if you punt the second running back spot. So we'll dive into that in just a bit, but I want to hit the ground running with my Hard Knocks Intel. Uh, The episode, the first episode, if you haven't seen it, I mean, hey, all right, spoiler. You're probably going to have to fast forward a little bit if you don't want spoilers here, but I will tell you some of the key details. First and foremost, the episode was obviously about Dak Prescott. I mean, uh, huge surprise, right? It was about Des- Dak Prescott. And then early, uh, very early in the episode, uh, he revealed that he actually had two surgeries, not one. So that was interesting. He said, we kept that on the down. Uh, no one knew that about the second surgery. But early in the episode, they highlight him. Looked pretty good, but the coaches realized that they were overusing him initially, and they wanted to... Uh, sort of dial that back. Obviously, that was, I don't know if that contributed to the injury, but a lot of focus was on the injury in this episode. And the team, even uh, the trainer consulted with a few baseball teams, the Yankees, the Texas Rangers, uh, to uh, basically get their take on, on how to get him past this. It really does seem like it's an injury that just requires a little bit of time, which is basically what they were they were doing. Dak was obviously frustrated through a big uh, chunk of the episode for his inability to throw or his inability to get reps, but I think they are taking, well, they're taking the cautious route, and I think they're taking the wise route with him. It doesn't change my view on him. He's the number four or number five fantasy quarterback. Him and Lamar are kind of back-to-back in my rankings. They've been fluctuating regardless of injury, regardless of Lamar's COVID situation. They've been sort of bouncing back and forth between me, so they're basically on even turf. And both of them are likely going to go earlier than I'm willing to draft them. It's just plain and simple. If I don't get two rounds of value on those guys, I'm not going to draft them, which means they have to be there in like the seventh round. I highly doubt that's going to happen unless you have people who are legitimately that concerned with Dak, and I don't think they are. This was also a buddy episode, so Dak and Zeke, uh, very uh, very good friends. We had a humanizing moment with Ezekiel Elliott in this episode where he was wrapping a gift using a YouTube tutorial uh, some of us have struggled doing that in the past, and and you get to see these guys as human beings, not as football players who are on our fantasy rosters. Which you know that drives me nuts sometimes when we we de- detach the player from them being an actual human being. So I thought that was a good moment right there. Uh, otherwise, not much here other than Mike McCarthy is obviously a players' coach. He is not a disciplinarian. And generally, there's a very lighthearted vibe at camp right now. You even had Jim Fossil talking about getting snipped and then having that reversed, which was a a humorous moment in that episode. Uh, I I don't know. I don't know how I feel about an Austin Powers reference at this point. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Mike McCarthy, one of their little vibes here is a mojo moment. 
and uh, he is quoting Austin Powers. So quoting Austin Powers like 20 years later, I guess there are some movies that are still quotable. Like I still legit on a golf course, no matter what, give at least five Caddyshack references, and that is really old. But I don't know. Did, did Austin Powers age well? I think that's the question. <laughs> I'm not quite sure it did. I don't know. But anyway, is it corny? Maybe. Is he a player's coach? Definitely. Lighthearted vibe. And then he did highlight Micah Parsons, which dude looks like he's going to be a stud in your IDP leagues. Uh, but otherwise, not much from the first episode. We'll see what happens next week in the second episode. So let's dive in to the second portion of today's podcast which, of course, are the running backs we should be targeting in the middle rounds of our fantasy football drafts. Uh, yesterday, over at FTNFantasy.com, I dropped the 2021 edition of my fantasy football draft plan. This is basically the entire approach to uh, really any draft. I mean, I guess you could say two-quarterback in there as well, but any draft in, in generally speaking, normal leagues, and normal means a wide range of things, but whether it's PPR, half-point PPR, non-PPR, two-quarterback, whatever it is, uh, this is the approach. Now, if you're in, like, guillotine, all right, I had somebody ask for guillotine content. I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that this year, maybe next year, because uh, it's still not a, a widely played format. It's growing, it's growing, but we're not quite there yet. So, generally speaking, this is the approach. And I will say... I, I revealed this the other day to, to the shock and horror of some people. I just use the same set of rankings regardless of the approach because, or regardless of the scoring format. Uh, I'm going to use a general set, which is basically a half-point PPR set of rankings, and I don't think you should adjust that dramatically for PPR or non-PPR. There's really subtle shifts anyway, and you kind of know, you should know who the guys who may fare slightly better in PPR are and the guys who might fare slightly better in non-PPR. So you can always make those adjustments on the fly. I try to not overthink fantasy football. Overthinking leads to mistakes, and I don't want to make mistakes, man. I don't want to help my opponents out. So the draft plan over at FTNFantasy.com, you can use the promo code RATPACK to get all of the, the info, uh, but it's it's a banger. It's a, it's a 4,500-word article that breaks down everything, including... Uh, players you should be targeting in the middle and late rounds by position. So I'll give you a little taste of it on the show today uh, with these middle round running backs. Middle round running back is really crucial, especially if you're punting that second running back spot. You really want to load up in this range with high ceiling options, not low ceiling options. And you may not love the way it looks after you draft, but the idea is to love your team in November, December, not in August necessarily at running back specifically. So let's take a quick break and then we'll dive into these running backs to target. So the middle rounds really where people make or break their teams uh, or well, really where it starts. I've said this numerous times, but in this era of fantasy football, even the slappies can draft well in rounds one, two, three. They're all using generally very similar rankings. Like if you look at rankings compared, you know, my rankings, which you of course get at ftnfantasy.com, compare those to my good friend Mike Clay over at ESPN or some of the other great rankers out there. They're not that different, especially early on in rounds one, two, three. So generally speaking, everybody's drafting off of the same set of rankings, and it's hard to find much value. The only time you ever really get good value in the first couple rounds is when somebody tries to outthink the draft, right? They they want to uh, draft a player way higher because they think they, they know the secret, right? 
So value will fall. Or if they have absolutely no clue what they're doing, value can fall there too. Uh, sometimes it is when they lock into positions like I have to draft a wide out in round two sometimes a running back will fall or maybe a tight end slides or something like that but generally speaking people are good it's in the middle and late rounds where we want to go after things and of course in the draft day checklist that I talked about on yesterday's pod one of the things that I emphasize is high ceiling in the middle and late rounds and that's especially true at running back so in a fantasy football draft plan article you're going to note There are guys who will go in the middle rounds who are not in this article for me. I am not drafting David Johnson this year. Unless he's around in like round 12 or 13, there's a value breaking point for everybody. I'm not going to draft him though. I'm not drafting him in round eight. I don't care if he looks like a value there because he isn't. He isn't a darn value at 29 years old on a team that may or may not have Deshaun Watson. And even if they do, are we really that sold on him? Where are we make our fantasy rosters at running back is getting young, high-ceiling options who may not hit early, but have the chance to hit big at some point during the season. And really, for me, that starts, so the middle rounds start in round six, right? I divide the draft up into thirds, early rounds, round one through five. Middle rounds, six to ten. Everything after that's late round, right? Round six, round seven. Right now, if ADP holds through this month, That is where you're going to potentially see Travis Etienne fall. He may not. You may see Javante Williams still on the board in that range. He may not be. Trey Sermon, Michael Carter, they probably will be, right, in that range. Unless one of these guys breaks the internet in preseason, (laughs) and and, uh, that can happen, uh, most likely you're going to have some, if not all, of those guys in that range. Those are the prime targets in round six through seven. So if I go running back in the first round, and then let's say I hammer wide out, might even get a tight end in between rounds two and five, that is not my intended path, but it could be a path that I take, then I am absolutely trying to get my hands on one of these four guys, and maybe two of them, if I can get one in six, one in seven. ETN, yes, he's going to be the passing down back, but you know what? Dripping with upside, and on top of that, I don't think we can rule out him passing up James Robinson. I know that the James Robinson truthers, the James Robinson folks who have him in dynasty and keeper leagues, et cetera, don't want to hear me say that, but why in the world will we draft a running back in the first round if we just love James Robinson, if we're Urban Meyer? Just saying. Especially when you have a lot of needs on that roster. Javante Williams might even pass up uh, Melvin Gordon, you know, mid-September. I do think Gordon opens the season as the lead back, but he's not going to hold it for long. Again, why draft a running back in a premium spot if you don't plan to use him? Now, Sermon did open the the, uh, the initial depth chart as the number two. I think that's number two in name because it's a full-blown committee. And you're really just taking a shot on a guy who was prioritized on draft day by the team and is in a uber-favorable run game. And then Michael Carter, he could be the number one. And people, I think, might sleep on him. I hope they do. I really hope they do. One, if not all of these guys will be available in round six, seven. Um, if it's only one, okay, it's only one. That's fine. But it might be more than one, and I love to grab two of these guys. That is the approach for me, too, by the way. I want to get four running backs by the time I get to round 10. If I only have one by this point, I have to hammer the position. Rounds eight and nine isn't as pretty. So we got the rookie rounds in six and seven, and I love the rookie rounds. And those are the four outside of Najee Harris that we want this year 
in terms of the rookie running backs. There may be somebody who emerges. There's somebody who emerges every single year. But as of right now, those are the guys to really key in on. But I do think there are some interesting options in rounds eight and nine. Uh, and and really, it, it starts with Damian Harris, who, of course, Belichickery is always a thing. New England Patriots running backs have been a royal pain in the butt for years. However, especially if Sony Michelle doesn't make this roster, Harris could be in a really good spot in a run-heavy offense, regardless of who's under center. It'll look a little bit different with Cam under center, obviously, than if Mac Jones is under center. But Harris could run a ton this year. And he's not a bad pass catcher as well. They'll use a lot of James White, obviously, there. But he's not a bad pass catcher. Then I have A.J. Dillon. Now, you're taking a shot on Dillon having a reasonable good, reasonably good role. Like, he's a premium handcuff. He's a guy who has independent value of being a handcuff because he should have enough touches there and maybe, just maybe, some work in the, in the goal line region because of his size. But you're taking a shot on that. But you also have the implied value of if Aaron Jones gets hurt, Dylan's value skyrockets. Then you have to make a choice in rounds eight, nine. On what side of the fence are you in Tampa and in Buffalo? The side of the fence I'm on is Leonard Fournette in Tampa. I've talked about this in a couple podcasts recently, but the idea is pretty simple. The genie was out of the bottle, 20 and a half touches per game down the stretch, and he proved that he is capable of still handling that type of workload. Is he the most dynamic guy? No, but he's never been. He's never been. He can be a three-down option for you. Yes, they'll use Giovanni Bernard. I'm sorry to the Rojo crowd, but I'm on the Fournette side of the fence. However, if you're on the Rojo side of the fence, then this is where you would target him. The Buffalo backfield, everything out of Buffalo points to Zach Moss. And then when you look at the comparison between Moss and Singletary, Singletary's an undersized back who really... He figures to be more of a scat back. He has never really seized the opportunity anytime he's gotten it. And so Moss would be the target. The idea here is, no, I don't full, you know, hey, if I thought he was going to break out, I'd be drafting him way earlier. But I, if he does break out, he's in obviously one of the better offenses in the NFL right now, very potent with Josh Allen under center. They could score a lot of points, and he could benefit from that. The one drawback, obviously, is Josh Allen is the red zone back in that offense, but you're taking a shot on the, the high ceiling. If we're, if we're talking round 10, the only guys who I might be looking at in that range would be Pollard and Gus Edwards. Again, taking a shot on really high upside handcuffs, but but by that point, I may already have my four running backs. You know, that that list might be already checked off on the on the checklist. So Hammer the rookies, then Harris, Dillon, and figure out where you stand on the Tampa and Buffalo backfields. It's the way to do it, man. Attack, attack, attack upside in the middle rounds. All right, that's going to wrap things up for me today. Remember, I am at Jeff Ratcliffe on Twitter, at Jeff Ratcliffe on Instagram, and use that hashtag Rat Pack. That way I know you're a listener to the show. And if you want the fantasy football draft plan, read it, man. I even, I even start with a story. How about that? It's over at FTNFantasy.com. Use the promo code RATPACK. Get yourself a little bit of a discount there. All right, I'll catch you on the flip side for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out. (laughs) 